All right, y'all. I am so excited for this episode to finally be out on my podcast. It's been a long time coming. This is from a live podcast that I did back at the end of August with my dear friend Lily, who I've known for years. We've been friends for a while. And I recently got to hear her, like her full story and was just absolutely floored by it. It's such a story of resilience and includes so many topics that we don't talk about enough. Like there are far too many topics that are taboo and women don't feel like they have a safe place to safe place to discuss and that leads to a lot of feelings of isolation and kind of like you're going crazy. And so we're diving into all of those today. Finally, I was able to pull the audio from it. Um, heads up, it's not the highest quality audio because I did have to use like a backup that was only meant to grab B-roll video um, the long story short, the mic that was actually hooked up and meant to record the entire thing and have like really good quality audio, we tested, we hooked it up, we, we double checked everything and somehow that failed. So this, you know what, you're going to hear the air conditioning. It's going to be a little muffled. You might have to turn up the volume to be able to really hear us. And it is so worth it. This is an extraordinary conversation diving into, I mean, everything from like, awareness around racial disparities in healthcare and gender disparities, right? Like women who are coming in and like what's actually common versus gets misdiagnosed constantly, how to properly advocate for yourself when it, things aren't quite fitting, um, birth trauma. So trigger warning, there is birth trauma in this, just there's so much, right? We, we dive far out of healthcare as well, but just all the taboo topics and we we brought a group of women together to be able to have a safe space to chat about this and I am so excited to share this conversation with you and there is going to be a part B with uh, the Q&A portion of it so be on the lookout for that but for now enjoy mine and Lily's conversation please share this on social tag both myself and Lily and share your biggest takeaways we always love to hear from you Welcome to Human on the Daily, the podcast for anyone wanting to break free of any boxes or expectations and embrace their full authentic self. I am Dr. Megan Daly and I have been there. I've overcome so much trauma, dealt with so many stressors like competing in high level athletics, rigorous academics, getting my doctor in physical therapy and I did what I should do, right? I climbed the corporate healthcare ladder and when that didn't make me feel fulfilled, I branched out and opened up my own cash clinic and built it to six figures in the second year. Yet I still felt like something was off when I looked in the mirror and maybe you can relate. So I scaled back and really dove into the questions of who am I really and what is it that I am meant to do? So together in this podcast, we are going to dive into all the tips, tools, and experiences for you to answer those same questions for yourself so you can live your best, most joyful and fulfilled life. Because if you're not doing that, then what the fuck are you really doing? So let's fucking go. Megan did a really good job at introducing 
the whole event, but she did a phenomenal job putting this all together. Um, and like she had said, this was really based on like an off-the-cuff conversation that we had at another event. At like 11 p.m. Yeah, too. Yeah, like, like across the bar, and it just went on and on and on. And I'm so glad that it's finally come to fruition and that I'm here. So um, thank you guys. And I just want to give a quick round of applause to you for but um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Lily Jemfi Kuminini. It's a mouthful. Um, but I flew in today. I'm from Canada, um, Ontario, just outside of Toronto. And I have three amazing kids. And I used to be a homeschooling mom. This year, my kids went to school for the first time. And my oldest just graduated from high school. Um, so this is, it's been a big year. Um, I'm also a holistic practitioner, um, an energy healer, a nutrition counselor, birth trauma facilitator, podcaster, life coach, and speaker. A lot of things. Um, but I do all of that stuff because my main goal and my main mission is just to really help women, empower women to own their voice, own their story, and just reignite the queen that lives with, within them. Um, I've been part of, I think, your world probably like for a few years, right? Yeah, a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. We met three or four? Yeah, we met through I feel like anything with COVID, like the yeah, yeah, yeah. timelines, so I don't really know, but yeah. I feel like we met before COVID at one of the live events, or was it not so after? Uh, I don't know. I think it was question mark. At question least 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at minimum. Exactly, exactly. But I, I do remember um, one of the breakout rooms. Oh, for Girl Gang. Yeah, for Girl Gang. And I remember um, you were in the breakout room, and I, there was just something about you in that moment. And I was a very, like, I was a newbie at the time, but you made me feel so comfortable, and you were so open, and I could tell at that time willing to have, like, tough conversations. And so when I got to meet you finally in person at the event, it was, I was in such awe at the time. And you always come with fabulous shoes. <laughs> So, um, anyway, it's, I'm saying a lot, but I say all that to say that I'm just really grateful to be here, so thank you for having me. Yeah, and at that event in Ohio, she was actually one of the speakers, so I only knew so much of her story prior to this. Like, yes, we had connected, but I was just blown away at her story, and that's actually what prompted the conversation where we dove deep that night. So, I, honestly, I just want to kind of jump right into it and just, like, rip off the band-aid of tough conversations. Yeah. So, share a little bit about what you talked about on stage agenda's events. Right, wow, that was a lot. And I, I will preface all of that by saying that um, speaking, like going into that speaking event, I was actually really nervous in a way that I've never been nervous before. Um, I know Jenna, she's a beautiful soul, and I knew that her people would be wonderful as well, but there was a moment for me, and I remember Lindsay was literally holding my hand at the back of the room. Um, but there was a moment for me where I looked across the room and realized that I was the only visible person of color in the room. And for me, the mirror that threw up for me was, oh my gosh, like, am I gonna be accepted? Do they really wanna hear what I have to say? Um, do I really fit in here? So ultimately it was just about belonging. And um, there were a couple things that Lindsay said to me that you know kind of pumped me up and helped me shake some of that off. But um, honestly, being up there and just allowing myself 
to go there and just talk about the things that have really impacted and affected my life um, and putting it out there in a way that people couldn't really deny all parts of who I am. From being a person of color, a woman of color, um, an African woman of color, uh, you know, not even being American, um, having had faced a lot of challenges in my own life um, from grief, um, racial discrimination, um, birth trauma, and, and the like, I, I realized at the end of it that it wasn't really about all of the stories, but it was about how people were feeling and their um, lack of not feeling like they belonged to something. And so it was really powerful for me um, afterwards, like women that were crying coming up to me um, and sharing their experiences and their stories and how whatever it was that I said to them, spoke to them, that was like enough for, to make me feel like yeah. I belonged. And so, sorry, I'm not <laughs> really answering your question. No, you're fine. Because actually I think that's a beautiful okay. point to bring up and I want to take a pause and who in this room, like raise your hand if you have at some point felt like you didn't belong or wasn't sure if you belonged. Yeah, I mean, that is a universal truth. And I think particularly, I can't speak to guys. Like, I don't know if I can say that all of them have experienced that, but every female that I've ever met. And I do think it gets heightened when you bring race and other things into the picture. Absolutely. 100%. But I do think that's why so many women, like, I mean, there were people crying everywhere after your talk. Um, but I would love to now circle back because yeah. let's kind of dive into just a little bit of your story because they're probably like, wait, what? What, what have you been through? What are okay. you Right. Um, so, okay, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to go straight to, because we have a mother here who's like just gave birth seven weeks ago. So I'm going to go straight to, to that part of it because there's so much that led up to um, me experiencing birth trauma. Um, and really, you know, what that is is just acknowledging that the experience that you had didn't feel right for you. And it doesn't really matter. It's not about comparing. It's not about saying, oh, well, this person lost a child or this person bled out or whatever. It's just eventually acknowledging and realizing something is not sitting right and I don't feel good about it. Um, but when we get to that point, often we, we don't talk about it because the response that people often will get, or the feeling that you have, is that, well, I have a healthy baby, so what am I complaining about, right? But at the end of the day, what my motto was coming out of that was, and it's actually words that I said to a nurse um, at the hospital, was, well, if I'm not okay, then my baby can't be okay. And I think that what often gets left behind and forgotten is that we do need to come first. We're, we've, you know, we did whatever we could to carry a being right? Why would we just let go of ourselves in that moment and give that up to somebody else, right? That's our, like, our pride and joy. And so if we are not, like, being looked after and taking care of our needs, then we can't do what we need to do to be there for, for the little ones that we bring into our lives. And so um, what happened to me happened over the course of my three births. And it started with my first, which I didn't actually realize was a traumatic experience. Um, I had her in the hospital. Um, I won't go through all the details, but I ended up getting um, an epidural by an anesthesiologist who, who had just been woken up. 
literally came in the room with his hair like all over the place. And I had a nurse tell me, and I mean, this is my first child, so I didn't have a lot of experience, but I had a nurse tell me, um, you, you know, maybe you want to try not to get it because this guy's poked a lot of women and he has not been successful and they've all left hurt, like injured or crying. But first kid, I, you know, I just yeah. wanted to get, like, get through it. So, um, so, so I, so I did, but it didn't take all away. Anyway, so that was, that was a rough experience. Um, but I also had experienced um, severe and chronic nosebleeds. And we, and we talked about that. We've talked about it, yes. Yeah, um, which put me in a precarious situation throughout my pregnancy. When um, we say chronic nosebleeds, we mean like bleed out nosebleeds. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank you for that. It was, gosh, this might be TMI for you guys, but it was like, I was bleeding out of like all the orifices on my face, like my eyes, my nose, my mouth, my ears. Like it was like, a 24-hour cycle, um, you know, it would take 24 hours to really get the bleeding to stop, um, and then it got to a point where I was bedridden, and nobody could figure out. We were traveling all over the place. Um, we went to the Mayo Clinic. I even like written to. I don't know if anybody remembers um, Medical Mysteries on NBC. Like I had written to them because we didn't know what to do, um, and. So by the time I was giving birth, I had a new, like a number of different surgeries, and it was really just kind of a, a wait and see situation. Um, and luckily, I got I got through it okay, um, only for like a year later to start bleeding again. But ultimately, that all ended when I got into like holistic work and stuff like that, and that's really what kind of got me through it. But my second birth was traumatic because um, I had not just had rectus diastasis, and everybody knows what that is, where you get the separation in your stomach muscles. Um, they didn't realize until after my third child that I actually completely separated my, my abdominal wall. So I was pretty much paralyzed um, after I gave birth to my second child. 30 minutes after giving birth, I could not walk, and I was in a wheelchair for a couple of years. I eventually um, did therapy and was able to walk with a cane, uh, we had to hire help to be with me all the time, and at the time I was living in the Bahamas, and that's a whole other thing. Um, but then I got pregnant again, and thought, oh my gosh, like, people are going to think I'm nuts. Like, I'm pregnant again, and I can't even take care of myself. But at that point, I thought, I'm, what do you call it, like, I'm armed, and I have the tools, and I can take care of myself. Um, but ultimately, that wasn't the case. I had another traumatic experience. Um, I was telling you in the car on the way here, you know, I had a midwife who told me that she dreamt that my baby had died because I had planned, I had a home birth with my second child, and I had planned to have a home birth with my third, but the midwife was convincing me to come to the hospital against my will, and they tried to keep me there the night before. It was a whole thing. Um, so I had another nurse tell me that it wasn't about my baby, it was, and I was being a princess, it was about my baby, it wasn't about me. Um, they, behind my back, they um, were giving me the, the, the drip, like turning it up, because they really wanted to get me in to have a C-section, which I really didn't need. Like it was, I was done by the time I finally gave, uh, gave birth. Um, and that whole experience ended up in a court case as well, so. It's been a lot, I'm talking yeah. a lot. <laughs> no, but I think it's such a beautiful, I mean, it's, 
I know it feels like a lot because that was a lot condensed into yeah. like I don't know what, like two minutes. I'm terrible at time. No, um, but I think it's so important to share because, like you said, like, especially the first time you didn't know you experienced trauma. Because how often do people actually share these stories and talk openly about it? So a lot of women who have gone through anything like that or have something come forward that's like like they don't know to be wary of it. They don't know to think, huh, this isn't how it's supposed to be. This is the so, I mean, I don't know if anyone in here has experienced any, well, I know one story of birth trauma, but <laughs> I don't know of anyone else's stories, but I do know of, actually, I know personally there are people in this room who have dealt with disparities in the medical system, and people who take a look at them and try to treat them in a certain way, and it's, like, it's not fair, and I think it is so important to even tell quick versions of your story so that you can open it up so that someone else can hear it and be like, when they get in a similar situation, be like, wait, okay, this is not what it's supposed to be like. But just think, if you've been armed with anyone's story going into that first one, it might have you might have been able to take some other route. Like, we go down the what if, and that's not really a helpful path to go down. And your story can be the shining light for someone else. It can be the red flag warning that they need. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really, really yeah. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, you know, this whole experience has been one that's, I know it's helpful, but it's also opened my eyes to, and yeah, you know, like, you don't want to go down the rabbit hole of like, oh my God, all the things that happened to me, and um, and I don't want to sink further into like, you know. It was like a martyrdom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, bad mental state, but it really has opened my eyes to past experiences where I do realize, like, oh my gosh, like, I, now, I, now I understand why that person spoke to me a certain way, why I was treated a certain way. Like, there were times when I was in the hospital um, that I was left in the hallway, you know, and had I, had, had I not had someone on the outside advocate for me, I would have been left in that hallway, like, bleeding out for the issue that I had at that particular time, right? Um, but I was not into that at the time, right? I just was kind of going along with it because I thought, well, from a medical professional's clue, you know what they're doing. Exactly, kind of yeah. exactly. So, I mean, heck, even as a medical provider, I've had not nearly as extreme, but similar stories where you just kind of were like, oh, well, okay, I guess they know best. That's literally what they're studying kind of thing. And so it's, I do think it's, again, I think it's important yeah. to share these stories so people can kind of realize, like, no one's infallible for starters. Like, everyone can make mistakes and on the flip side of that, so something else that we were talking about in the car is not only will sharing these stories, so first of all, like anyone who's listening to this podcast, whether it's live or afterwards, like I hope this like, gives you permission to start sharing your story as well, because it's going to be the roadmap for someone else. Like we all have gone through experiences. I hate to like everything happens for a reason, because I know people said that to me after my dad died and I wanted to punch them in the face. And there is something to be said for sharing your story and how that can be a life for someone else. The flip side of that, in the same vein at least, is the more that we talk about it, the less the stigma around talking about it happens. Because we were talking in the car about how sometimes when we share these harder topics and these harder conversations, the response we can get is sometimes really weird. It's because society doesn't know how to respond when you bring up a harder conversation. Whether it's, like, sometimes we have people that are very well-meaning um, and almost, like, want to hush you. 
Like it, they all, it always comes from a well-intentioned place, but sometimes you have someone who hushes you. Sometimes you have someone who is playing the martyr and tries to dump on you. Um, sometimes it can be a beautiful way to connect, though. But I, I think the more that we talk about it, the more it will turn into a form of connection and a safe place to open up versus people getting really weird about it and not knowing how to respond or just thinking, like you and I were talking about, if I, so I lost my dad in 2017, and if I post about it at all now, I have so many people that are like, oh my gosh, I, are, are you okay? Like, I was sharing it just to talk about it openly. Like, I'm, I'm good, I promise. And it's almost like they'll come back at me and I'm like, no, 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 like if you're, if you're hurting, I'm like, okay, that wasn't the point of this. Like, it literally was to share a story. So let's talk about that a little bit more. Like the, on the other side of these traumatic events and support you got, support you didn't get. Open that up. Yeah, um, such good points that you bring up about just being willing to have the conversations um, and continuing to have the conversations to help not only yourself, because um, especially through um, like Birth Time Ontario was a group that um, sort of came out of the time that I was going through my experiences and um, as a facilitator, you know, you're there to help other people through their experiences as well. And you, but you do find the more you share your story, the more you get to heal, right? Yes. And as you are healing, you're giving permission, like you said, to somebody else to find their way to heal, towards healing. And, and to also find the areas where they can recognize, hey, you know, like that was me, or I never thought about that or whatever. Um, but as we practice that, we, we all get better at having these conversations. And so I do think it's like, it's so important to to keep putting stuff out there and to keep having the conversations because we ultimately, like we really do need to practice. I think we've been part of, I don't know if it's a generational thing or just a time where we want to just kind of like make everybody feel good and make everything okay and push things to the side so that we can just move on. But I think we're all realizing, especially as women, that stuff, it piles up real quick, right? Yeah. And, you know, especially when you've got, like, other things to take care of in your life, you've got little people, you've got, like, maybe aging parents, you've got, like, uh, an ill friend, whatever the case, your job, you can only take on so much. Mm -hmm. And so then where do you go when, you, when you're keeping all that inside? What ends up happening is you get sick, right? It starts to physically take a toll on you. So. Or you lose it over or something relatively exactly. small. Like, exactly. I don't know about y'all, but I grew up not understanding emotions at all because I grew up in the deep south. So like, I do think it's a generational thing. I think the generation above us 100% was more of the sweep it under the rug yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Deep south adds on, at least from my experience, adds on another layer <laughs> yeah, to that. I'm sure. And so I was always like, I never understood why my mom would just suddenly like break out crying and then yell and then it would kind of be almost like a reset button. And now as an adult, I'm like, oh, I get it. She just kept piling everything up and didn't have any other way to release. And so it would be over, I don't know, like me spilling spaghetti on the floor or doing something, which by the way, I still do as an adult. Like I, I'm just clumsy. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think to your point, like it does build up and it's going to show up in some way, shape or form. I mean, I saw it tons as a doctor of physical therapy when I was still in the clinic. Yeah. I saw people with chronic unrelenting back pain that I didn't help get better at all until I allowed them to dump about their like son-in-law mm -hmm. on me. Like, and it's, so I think that's such a beautiful point to bring up of, yeah, there's so, I don't, I don't actually know if I can really think of a negative of being more open about 
about stories like this and just talking openly. And there's just so many possibilities that could potentially come from it. Yeah. I think that's, like to, to really answer your question, is that's how we end up finding our community, right? Mm -hmm. That's how we end up finding the support that we actually need, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I had I not gone to my doula and said, like, something doesn't feel right in that particular situation, I would never have found a community where I could actually then talk about the stuff that was going on, the feelings that I was having, and the resentment, and like all the things that were so confusing, right? Um, that created a safe space for me, but that was also the gateway to understanding what I actually needed for myself in other areas of my life. Like it really gave me the permission to like start to homeschool my kids and you know put certain ideas to the side and not you know not follow a particular protocol because everybody else was doing it. I started yeah. to discover what I really, like what really worked for me in my situation. Yeah, I actually love that you brought that up. Um, if you can think of one, is there like an example of like how it, you mentioned the homeschooling, but if there's another one or that one to like go into how it did kind of shape and how you re realize like in other areas, changes needed to be Oh made. girl, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna go to help back to help okay. care. Yeah. Um, especially because we've got like gut personal and like all that stuff, right? Like <laughs> um, for me, I like because I already started delving into that area to help heal me, but um, I finally gave way to because I was like on the down low, like, oh my gosh, this is gonna get very controversial. But I was on the down low, like not giving my kids all vaccinations, for example, right? Like when they're when they were little. Um, those kinds of things, like once once I was in this review where I started to feel like secure with how I was feeling, mm -hmm. um, I started to make decisions like I don't really believe necessarily, although I enjoyed school tremendously, I didn't really believe in the school system that we have right now. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't, I, I felt like, I'm not a teacher, but I felt like life experiences could give my kids um, a whole wealth of education that they weren't going to get just sitting at a desk in a classroom. Yeah. It's not that we didn't do school work, but there was, there's so many different ways to learn, yeah. right? Um, and I mean, I could go on a tangent, but that, it, it, it opened my eyes to the fact that there are other ways to do things. And it's not like we don't know it. I think just sometimes we're afraid. I think sometimes we don't actually though. I think, good point. Yeah, I think there are times where it's just such the norm that even the idea, like it seems so obvious when someone else brings it up, but until someone else brings it up, you just don't even think of it. It's like, this is what, hell, it's right. actually, it's right. I mean, speaking of, as far as from healthcare providers, I hear it all the time. It's part of what I do in the course that I do, and it's part of what I do in the 180 sessions that I offer too, because it's, I feel like females in any kind of corporate environment, it's like, here's my path. This is the path that I'm supposed to be on. I have to climb this ladder. All other females are competition. And it's kind of breaking out of that norm and being like, no, you can collaborate and still move up the ladder. And you even want to move up the ladder. Like, are there other options that you want to look at? And all these other, like, that's just one example of there are other avenues. And it's just kind of breaking, like, taking the blinders off. Like, I literally think, does anyone watch horse racing with the blinders that they put on the horses? And taking those off so you can yeah. kind of just, like, you have your peripheral vision back. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think um, one of the things that sort of also made it easier for me was uh, 
like my husband and I, we had moved out of the like we moved from Canada to the Bahamas and ended up living there for 15 years, which was not initially planned. Um, but it was it was one of those like adventures we'll tie out for a yeah, year. Yeah, weren't you guys supposed thing. to be there for a year? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it it just evolved into that and three kids later. But having that experience and like realizing, oh my gosh, like okay, we have our own business and we had done we're doing a lot of traveling from work and having had my kids exposed to something different, it was like how can I combine like this life and all the new responsibilities that I have now being a mom, mm-hmm. right? And um, I mean, I guess in some ways, I, I also had the privilege of being able to like explore and experiment a little bit, but there was something that clicked when I, when I went through this traumatic experience where I was like, screw it. Like, I'm just gonna do the thing, and if it doesn't work out, I can always, Try something different, yeah. right? I can always, like I said, I put the kids in school it this puts year. A like, different level of perspective on you. Any major, I feel like it's any major life event. Definitely yeah, trauma. So any major life event, like who here, for anyone who's like live in this room, who here has gone through a major event that's like really drastically put things into perspective so fast? Because I'll say, I feel like everyone's hand is going to yeah. be raised, and anyone listening is probably like, yes, absolutely. It will shift things into perspective so fast and it really does like you said it gets to this point where you're like well cool like we're sta- like i survived this really hard thing yeah. sometimes you don't feel like you're going to survive it and it's like okay so really what do i have to lose at the end of the day like i can always shift back and i love thinking about i've heard this before from so many times like in the career mindset at least it's worst case scenario i bet you can probably come back somewhere similar that you are now like, I'm a physical therapist by education. Worst case is how I, after my dad passed, I wanted to open up my own clinic and it really came to the realization of like, I can literally get a job anywhere as a PT if shit hits the fan, right? Like, it might not be a job that I want, but I can find a job. So why not take the risk? Yeah. Same as like, you could pivot, put your kids back into school. I'm about to go on bus life. I have a house that I can come back to if I say <laughs> hey, that's a terrible idea. Or the bus breaks down like a couple months down the road. Hopefully it doesn't, it's gonna be great. Um, but I think that's such a beautiful example. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I just also love what it's given to my kids and my family too. Like it's been such a cool experience um, this past year, like in school with them, for them to come home. Cause trust me, like it's not like it was like happy days every day, right? Oh, like there's imagine. a lot of like raised voices and complaining and crying and all the things and um, threatening to put people in school. But, <laughs> um, and, and my middle child, like she, you know, I could see in her that she kind of needed that. And my youngest, you know, as a boy, like he just, he needs to be around like some more guys and stuff like that, right? But um, it's been really cool to see them or, and to hear them come home and be like, oh my gosh, they're so annoying. Like they take so long in school and like, why can't the kids just sit down and listen? And like, you know what I mean? Like, all the things that I was trying to tell them yeah. that they were benefiting and getting as a bonus at home. Now they are, they're seeing it It's too. like the kid version of like, this could have been a meeting. Ex- yes. Or this could have been an email. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, why did they take the whole day? Like, why can't they just listen? Why are they always talking? Like, it's, you know? Yeah. So, and actually I think my son actually said, I'm so glad I was homeschooled because I'm so much smarter than everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now he's asking to come back home to go to school. Oh, man. But um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's just it's all about a mission. Yeah, 
it, it really is about giving ourselves permission. Yeah, well, I think that's yeah. so huge. Yeah. I am going to circle back. So we talked about, like, hey, let's talk about the hard conversations. And I know you and I have talked about it a little bit before, but let's bring up, like, racial disparities. And how has that affected you over the years? Because I know we've talked about it, but I don't know. I honestly haven't heard, like, I don't hear people openly talk about it on podcasts. Interesting. I Maybe I'm just not listening Maybe. to the right podcast. I don't yeah. know. You know what? I, I don't, you might be right there, but maybe just not um, listening to the right one. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange for me sometimes because, and it was one of those things I was also feeling I joined this event yeah. was that I didn't want to be the person always bringing that up, especially yeah. as a, a person of color, right? It's it sometimes feels like you are the only person bringing it up because you're sometimes thinking about it our responsibility to like bring it up and tell people. Yeah. Um, yes and no. Okay. Like um, sometimes I do feel like it's my responsibility because I can like it's clearly not being talked about, like it's clearly being overlooked, and other times I I don't. But I do feel like I need to speak to something in a particular situation or conversation um, that could be affecting me differently that maybe people just aren't really thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's something for me, clearly, obviously, I'm walking around with every day. Um, but, you know, I've been dealing with it since I, uh, like, since I was a child. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that is one of the things that um, pushes me to want to help people to find their worth yeah. because I think there was a part of me that always had a good sense of my self-worth, but I did feel like I had to question it or I had to shove it down, like put it aside and not, not shine because it wasn't the right place or it wasn't the right time, or it wasn't with the right people, or people yeah. might not get it, or, you know, I don't want to be too loud, I don't want to be, I don't want to, like, twerk too hard, or I don't, you know what I mean? Like, like all the things. The starters I'm always for you twerking hard. Well, when we're together, like, I mean, we can't help that, but, um, but, yeah, no, these are things that are always going on in my mind, like, because I, it's a self-judgment piece. It's not, not just a self-judgment piece, it's just a judgment piece in general, because yeah. I just, and I am always questioning and always have questioned what somebody else might be thinking. Yeah. And the flip side to that, though, is that I think that also has made me a good like people person because I'm because I'm always navigating that. I I can mm-hmm. kind of find my way. Um, I can figure my way out in a room. I can figure out how to have like certain conversations with people. I can just I can find that thing that clicks with somebody. Yeah. Um, but it's not it's not it's not easy. No. Although you make it look easy, by the way, because like, I've seen you in enough conversations that you just naturally can connect with someone so fast. And I've always kind of wondered, like, because I've been in awe of it more than once. Oh my gosh! Thank so you, you know, know. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, and I guess part of why I bring it up is so again, deep south. You guys can imagine, like, my high school I think was sixty percent black. Like, I was technically a minority, and we were also really a very preppy school. So it was very like a white privilege school, even though white was, it was really strange, but like welcome to the deep south. Sounds kind of crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But like when I tell you that there was two separate cheerleading squads because it was known that the 
ombre. She was this beautiful, amazing black girl. And I ended up having to kind of like toss our friendship. And it was because, like, I was fine. Anyone could come at me about, like, oh, we're seeing with a black girl. And so, but my mom had to approach me because she was losing patience. My mom's a pediatrician. She's a head pediatrician in town. And she legitimately lost, like, I don't know the percentage. I don't really remember. But it was enough that she had to come to me and be like, I'm literally, like, my business is going down there because people saw my daughter out with a black girl. And I don't actually think she's to me. I do think, like, I overheard her talking to other people. And I was like, you can come at me, but don't come at my family. And it was, I think I was, like, seven at the time. Like, I didn't know what to do other than not be friends with um, we ended up on the all black. I was allowed on the all black cheerleading squad. Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> I went amazing. out with that one. I refused to go out for the other one. Oh my, my senior gosh. year, because it was more the dance team, anyways. I wanted to be on the dance team. Plus, anyone in this room who knows me is like not a shocker. Yeah, but yeah, like that's why I guess I've always been like so passionate about bringing more awareness to it because it still bugs me to this day that I had to stop being friends with someone simply because those South and their shit. Um, yeah, I could tell you stories upon stories, but um, I, I, I grew up in a town that was mostly white, still mostly white, um, so I, I've been a minority my whole life, um, and I mean, I didn't have another black person in my class until university, and that's because I moved to a bigger city where most black people are. Um, I mean, I, I, I had some black, I had black friends growing up, but we were so spread out that I never actually had another black person in my class. Um, and then throw on top of that being African, that was a whole other thing because for me growing up, um, at the time, like I think right now, like being African, at least in Canada, it's trendy, right? There's like Afrofusion, like all the music stuff, it's, it's trendy, but Growing up at the time, <clears throat> uh, if you weren't like Black Caribbean, then you weren't really accepted for being Black. Like, yeah, which is which I always thought is so backwards because I'm like, I'm more Black than you. Like, I came from the motherland. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, it yeah. just was like I could not really wrap my head around it. Huh. Um, but they looked at us as like fobs, I don't know if you guys use that term here, oh, fresh I, off the boat. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, like we were more- Everyone else nodded their head. Oh, really? Yeah, you. Well, you're from, from the South, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like, we were like a lower class level of, of blackness. Um, so it was, it was always strange for me because my sense of self came from the attachment to being African and having a different story. Um, coming up as a black person. Um, for a lot of black Canadians and, and black Americans, like their story is wrapped up more so in in slavery and in all of that stuff. Whereas for for Africans, I mean yes, okay, they're all African, right? But for us, um, you know, especially those like first and second generation and, and more so in Canada because it's such um, a younger country, um, but that story doesn't apply to us. It was so deep that there was one point in my life, because I had gone like kind of militant at one point, and I had like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King like on my walls, and Marcus Garvey, I don't even know his names, 
are familiar to you. But um, my dad pulled me aside one day and he was like, because I was all like, power of the people, like we've got to go back to the motherland and all this stuff. And he was like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not your story. You know, he's like, you have a place to go back to. You know where your ancestors come from. Like, my story goes back, my my grandmother is a queen, or was a queen, she's passed now, but she's, and my father is a chief, or like a king, so like, we have a whole story, we've got a book, like I know my roots, yeah. and I, I know there's a certain pride that comes along with that, so I'm not wrapped up in that, that slave story, and I don't necessarily have that slave mentality, but growing up, that was kind of like forced on me, because that was my way to belong, that was my way to connect even within my black community. So it's been um, like a twisted journey for me in discovering myself as well and um, what I am willing to accept and what I'm okay to kind of let go. Yeah. 
like it, it drives me nuts that it took her overhearing you to see. Granted, like we don't know what would have happened. Maybe she would have apologized anyways, but yeah, yeah, that's just and it, it's I think it, what's most surprising is that you just never know when it's gonna come yeah. and you don't know why. Like I think I could handle it more if I knew why somebody was coming at me that way, if mm -hmm. why they were racist, if there was something that happened, right? Yeah. But this stuff for us is we don't like yeah. there's no guarantee we don't have the right necessarily to know that information. Like all we can control is ourselves. We don't necessarily can't control whether or not we ever get that information. And I think to what you were saying, it's yeah, like it might surprise you what comes out of your mouth and that is such a beautiful opportunity to then be able to unpack whatever is there for you so that yeah, like to keep growing and keep you know, like being able to really stand in your work even more. Like, yeah. what is there that's uncovered that you maybe didn't know was there before? Yeah. And that could be applied to literally anything we deal with. Oh, absolutely, right? And I'm sure each one of us in this room has had an experience where they've either witnessed something or, you know, knew somebody that it's happened to or, yeah. you know, like, and it's, it's one of those things that you never know how you're going to react or respond until it's actually and something similar that I was talking about, so I still have a job that I teach in a doctoral program in Tennessee, and I, the last time I was there happened to be during Pride Month, and so they had like a student assembly thing that some of the PT students put on, and we had a really good conversation about how like it is important to speak up when you see an injustice of any kind being done. Like rather than being like, oh, this is uncomfortable, I'm just gonna stay quiet, I'm gonna stay out of it. Because that sends the message to whoever the injustice is being done with that they're not worth you standing up for them, right? Like that was a silence is compliance kind of mentality. And so whether it's a racial injustice, a sexuality injustice, a medical injustice, like whatever it is, um, and I think that was, it was such a good reflection to talk with the students on, like, for, for that example in particular, it was like, hey, if you're in clinic and someone's clearly being a racist patient at the next table, like, don't just let it fly, like, stand up for the person. Like, yeah, you're in a professional setting, it is probably even more your duty, but like, just as like a human, like, stand up for each other, yeah, yeah. And it is, it's really, really interesting once we are become aware and start paying attention how often it's happening in so many different situations, oh, yeah. right? Like, it's like, like once that, like, oh, yeah. Once those blinders come off again. Yeah. It's rampant everywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think the same applies for us just as women in general, right? 100%. I mean, yeah. feeling empowered enough to stand up for yourself in a particular situation and feeling empowered enough to, you know, yeah. ask for the raise at work, feeling empowered enough to, empowered enough for like when a woman makes a suggestion at the table and a guy starts speaking over her, speak up. Yeah. 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 Uh, thank you so much for bringing up amazing topics. Thank you. I mean, yeah. I, you know, you like <laughs> to have conversations. So. <laughs> yeah, legitimately, y'all. Like, I don't, it had to have been at least 1130 by the time we went to bed that night. Oh, we it was like, past that. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was past that. And y'all, I, like, my bedtime is like 930. <laughs> 
So even for me to be up, I actually remember distinctly, I was walking to the elevator to go to bed and like went to just like say goodnight to you. And like and two hours later, I'm still standing Oh my god, we, we even talked about, we haven't talked about today, we were talking about, oh, this is like totally bringing a different direction. We were starting talking about public health. Yeah, we did. And that's, <laughs> and that's when we were like, okay, we need to like do something about this. Like we need to actually, you know, make this official and have like a real yeah. like, podcast conversation. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, I'll probably do an entire podcast. But yes, I mean, the short version of that was the fact that most women don't even know that like public health is a thing that they can search out. Like they don't know it pre-baby, they don't know it post-baby, they don't know that you can actually have that without even having children. Like I, we were talking about the fact like I'll be very open about it. I do pelvic floor therapy. Right now I do it actually on myself, which we don't need to go into the fact of like how I dry needle my own pelvic floor. Hey. It is, yeah, <laughs> it is a thing. <laughs> but yeah, like there is, like Kegels, for sure, I'll just keep it to this. Kegels are not always the answer. You can have a hypertonic pelvic floor like I do, and Kegels are actually the opposite, opposite. of what you need. Yeah. And just because you had a baby and like things, like you had someone tell you, oh, things must be loose. No, it's not, still not always Kegels. Plenty of the time it's still a hypertonic pelvic floor. Yeah. So anyways, short version is when we see a pelvic floor there <laughs> if you have any kind of leaking issues. It's common, but it's not normal. It's That's not right. Normal. Um, but anyways, thank you for a beautiful conversation, and I would actually love now, if you're open to it, yeah. opening it up to any kind of Q&A, any kind of discussion, we'll keep the camera rolling. I have no idea what time it is right now, how long this has been. Sweet, okay, beautiful. All right. High five for taking some time out of your day for yourself to listen to this episode. It is my hope that it makes you feel more seen and heard and understood because we are all human and being human is messy and imperfect and beautiful and you are beautiful. So if this resonated, it would mean the world to me if you shared it on social along with your biggest takeaway and then tag me at move on the daily and hum- at human dot on the daily. Thank you so much and see you next time.